That is, a, that is a great clip, Nina. Anyway, good morning, church. Great to be up here. Normally, I'm, I'm down there listening to young Steve um, preach. Um, I can say that because I'm so much older than him. But um, great to be um, here this morning. I want to launch off with Love Mondays. I love this particular topic, this particular series. Let me tell you a little bit about why that is, a little bit about my story. So I was involved um, working for many different church ministries for a number of years. I worked for AOG, for New Life, for Baptist, for Brethren, for Anglican, fruit salad theology. And um, then I've come home to the one true church, which is Elam. Um, that has also been confirmed by Steve, um, which is incredibly reassuring. And um, one day I was working at a big church and I said, to, I said to the pastor, you know, I feel God's called me to be a, to be a, to be a lawyer. And I'm going to go into the... Um, practice of law. And he said to me, I, I, just, I just can't believe that you would leave the ministry. And I said, with love, with grace, and with respect, you're wrong. But I, God is going to, do a great, going, to, going to do a great ministry in my life through going to law school, through the practice of law. He, I said to him, I'm not leaving ministry. I'm just starting a new ministry. And um, I remember um, there's a great movie that my, my kids love, which, um, which is called The Bee Movie. It's a movie about a bee, it's an animated movie, but there's a great scene in the movie where a mosquito um, <clears throat> has a suit on and has a briefcase and flies over to the bee, and the bee said, when did you become a lawyer to the mosquito? The mosquito said, I've always been a blood-sucking parasite, all I needed was a briefcase. Um, <clears throat> harsh. I know, lawyers are seen as hired guns, sharks and suits and all that, but you know what I said to this, um, I had my law part two books on my desk at the church, and he said, I can't believe you're going off to study law. And I said, you know what my favorite quote is? I said to him, you know what my favorite quote is, which is the quote by John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, who said, the world is my parish. The world is my parish. So I wanna tell you this morning why you can love Mondays. Um, these days, I'm a partner at a firm um, in town, Gaysbert, and I head up the employment team there, so I help I act for employees and employers and all sorts of kind of dispute situations. And one of my real passions is to help Christian lawyers love Mondays. You can actually put Christian and the word lawyer together. It's not an oxymoron, it's possible. Um, <clears throat> I remember speaking at, the, uh, at an Australasian conference in Brisbane, the Christian Lawyers Conference there, um, I was talking about the Bible in schools litigation, which is a case before the court currently. You should pray for that case, by the way. And um, <clears throat> that night in the hotel room on the first night, I felt God encouraged me to do something back here in NZ. So for the last few years, we've been running a New Zealand Christian Lawyers Conference right here at Elam, which has been fantastic, ministering to academics and judges and lawyers who come along to hear what does it mean to actually honor Christ and follow Christ through the practice of law. Our most recent conference right here in this auditorium three weeks ago was lawyers as ambassadors for Christ. Absolutely possible and um, what it's all about. So if you've got your notes this morning, I'm gonna give you three reasons why you can leap out, of joy, leap out of bed with joy on Monday mornings. Three reasons why you can leap out of bed with joy on Monday morning. Number one, work is God's idea. Work is God's idea. The Genesis narrative begins with God at work. God was at work, speaking creation into existence, speaking mountains and seas and valleys into existence. And then Genesis chapter two, verses two, uh, verse two says um, that God rested from his work. Um, and then we read in Genesis chapter two, verse 15, that the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. 
A little bit later in my message, I'm gonna talk about why we go to work, but for the moment, I wanna let you know that the Genesis narrative, Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two is about work, God at work, human beings at work. It was God's intention right at the beginning of time that we would partner with him. Human beings would partner with God at work through the creation process. I don't have much time this morning, but I've got so much to say. I'm on the clock, which I understand because I'm a lawyer and we're on the clock as well. My clients are um, on the clock as well. And um, in his great book, Timothy Keller, this is a great book, and if you're taking notes this morning, you should write the title of this book down. It's called Every Good Endeavor. Um, In his book, Keller writes, the Hebrew word for work is milka. The same Hebrew word is used for work, whether the work of human beings or God's work in creation. He writes, it is wholly unexpected that the extraordinary activity involved in creating heaven and earth should be so described. In the beginning then, God worked. Work was not a necessary evil that came into the picture or something human beings were created to do, but that was beneath God. No, God worked for the sheer joy of it. Work could not have a more exalted inauguration. In the year 1505, a 21-year-old man was caught in a thunderstorm, and he prayed to God that if God rescued him from the thunderstorm, he'd become a monk, and so he did. So Martin Luther entered the monastery at the age of 21, and he studied theology, and while he was studying theology, he um, believed that the Catholic Church was in need of serious reform. And so in the year 1517, on October the 31st, Martin Luther marched up to the the church, the castle church of Wittenberg in Germany, and he nailed to the front door the 95 Thesis, a very famous document which actually caused the Protestant Reformation to occur. And he was an amazing kind of leader in that Reformation. And there was two key ideas in his 95 Thesis document. One is that we are saved by faith alone, not by works, which is what we believe as Protestants. But he also was one of the first people to come up with the idea that, the, that your calling, that your vocation, does not exclusively apply to the work of Catholic priests, yeah. but that every ordinary job is a calling from God. Yeah, every ordinary job is a calling from God. Great, the word vocation actually comes from the word to call. Vocar means to call, and that we have a calling. Yeah. We have a calling, he said. In fact, he went on and he said this, the work of monks and priests however holy and arduous they may be, do not differ in the sight of God from the works of the rustic laborer in the field or the woman going about her household tasks. Every occupation has its own honor before God. Ordinary work is a divine vocational calling. In our daily work, no matter how important or mundane, we serve God by serving our neighbor. In Luther's day, There was all sorts of interesting occupations. Let me run through a few. They had the blacksmith. They had the cabinet maker, still have cabinet makers. They had candle makers, not so much perhaps these days. Shoemakers, coppers, bakers, milliners, printers, a new occupation because the printing press was about to be invented, tailors and wheelwrights. See, Luther's radical idea that all of those jobs were actually divine, holy callings. And he confronted, and he said to the Catholic Church, you guys need to understand this, this is awesome. 
In the 21st century, we have a different range of jobs. We have the accounts administrator, the IT consultant, the customer service rep in a call center, plumbers, builders, electricians, accountants, teachers, we love teachers, um, car mechanics, bus drivers, sales reps, key account managers, CEOs, healthcare assistants, HR consultants, computer programmers, general managers, nurses, doctors, last and probably least, lawyers. <laughs> the nature of work has changed. But the fundamental principle has not changed. What Martin Luther started 450 years ago, the revolution which split the Catholic Church was that God wants to let you know that you can love Mondays because he is a holy calling for you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. <clears throat> that has not changed. Why did Martin Luther believe that all these ordinary jobs were actually holy callings? A couple of reasons, but the, the fundamental reason was that Martin Luther said human beings are God's agent on earth. God took the man and said, work in the garden. God could have done it himself, but he chose human beings to partner with him in creation in doing work. He called Adam and Eve to do work on his behalf, to serve with him. And every day when you go out, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, God has put you in your garden at your workplace to look after the resources that he's put at your disposal. Martin Luther said, our work is God's mask. Our work is God's mask. God is hidden in our work because through our work, he's actually serving human beings. He's yeah. demonstrating his love for human beings through our work. Right. Luther said, God doesn't need our good works, but our neighbor does. Yeah. So let me say, everyone listening, the car mechanic loves his neighbor by doing an excellent job to repair the car so it's safe and fit to drive. The credit controller loves her neighbor by ensuring accounts are paid so that the company doesn't go out of business, resulting in people losing their jobs. The IT consultant loves his neighbor by doing, working at the hospital, ensuring that issues with computers are resolved so that doctors and nurses can record patient notes, and in turn, this serves patients. Yeah. The contract truck driver lo loves his neighbor by working for council, picking up rubbish bins every week to ensure human beings live in a healthy environment. The manager of a government contract loves her neighbor by managing her team and encouraging them, helping them flourish. There are so many examples of God at work through our work. He wrote creation, Martin Luther writes, the work of God is carried out through the person who is faithful to their vocation. God continues his creative work on earth where man's vocation lies. Second point is this. Work is the means by which God provides for the needs of human beings. Why do you go to work? I've come up with the five E's, and I'm sorry they're not in your notes, um, but feel free to add them as we go. One, I go to work to earn. I go to work to make a living, to earn some See ash. Second, I go to work to engage. I go to work as a way to contribute meaningful, meaningfully to society. The third, um, E might be evangelist. I go to work to be a witness for Christ in my workplace. The fourth E is I go to work to be an entrepreneur, to make money so I can be generous with kingdom projects. And of course, all of these are valid reasons for, to, to, to go to work tomorrow. Really valid. But Martin Luther added one really important one. He said the final E, the final E, Martin Luther, is that actually it's a rem reminder that it's through our work that God provides for the needs of human beings. When Jesus' disciples came up to him and said, 
Lord, teach us how to pray, one of the key parts of that very famous prayer, the Lord's Prayer, is give us today our daily bread. That happens, Martin Luther says, through our work. God provides daily bread for human beings through all of us at work, meeting the needs of human beings. Psalm 145 says, he satisfies the desires of every living thing. God meets the new needs of human beings through our work, Martin Luther said. He wrote an amazing exposition on Psalm 145. You know, at one of the Christian lawyers' conferences recently, um, a, a Queen's counsel, a senior lawyer, QC, he came up to me, and after 40 years in legal practice, he said to me, no one has ever told me that God values the work I do as a lawyer. Let me tell you this morning, God values the work you do tomorrow morning. Whatever products you're creating, whatever services you're providing, whatever you're involved in, maybe managing a team as a, as a team leader, whatever it is, God values your work tomorrow. God values your work. It is through work that God meets the needs of human beings and helps human life flourish on planet Earth. It was always his intention, right back in Genesis chapter one. Thirdly, work is the opportunity for God's ministry through you. I remember one of my um, law school classes very fondly, and it was the law of capital markets, an incredibly boring paper, and if you're at law school, try not to do that paper. But basically, the law of capital markets is about initial initial public offerings and issuing shares and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, on Tuesday morning, (coughs) I was sitting there, I'll never forget it, waiting for the lecturer. There's about 60 students in the class, waiting for the lecturer to turn up, and lo and behold, in comes a priest. This is not, no, no, it's not a pub joke, nothing like that. The priest comes in, and he comes in and stands at the podium. He said, good morning, my name is Peter Fitzsimons. I'm a Catholic priest up at the parish up there on uh, Kyber Pass Road. I'm also a commercial lawyer, and I love the law of um, security, I love securities law and the law of capital markets, and I'm here to lecture, lecture you today. Could you imagine 60 law students on a Bleary-eyed, Tuesday morning, 8 a.m., listening to a Catholic priest talk about the collapse of Bridge Corp and so on and so forth. (laughs) But you know what he did? Peter Simons did not stand in his office up at the parish and say, well, I've got my priestly garb garb on here. By the way, he had the, the dog collar, the black shirt, the black pants. But he didn't think, I'm going down to lecture at law school. I better take all of this off. I better put on some ordinary clothes now. No, no, no. He believed in the seamless integration of the secular with the sacred. He believed in the integration of secular with sacred. This beautiful idea that he wouldn't actually stop being a priest just because he's teaching securities law at Auckland University Law School. One of my favorite scriptures is um, Ephesians chapter 4, 11 to 12. Because it talks about the purpose of church. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work out there. And build up the church, the body of Christ. Let me tell you this morning that you have a ministry at your work. You are a priest in your workplace. Imagine if tomorrow morning people started seeing you as the priest in your workplace. You are the priest there. Wayne Cordero, in his wonderful book, Doing Church as Team, writes that the word equip in Ephesians 4 is the same Greek word for um, 
the, uh, used in Mark chapter 1, verses 17. What's happening in Mark 1, 17? Well, James and John are on the shore. They're mending their nets. They're getting their nets ready to go out into the boat and carry on fishing. So that same word, mend, for Greek, is used here in Ephesians 4 because he's pointing out that the purpose of the church, the purpose of Sunday morning, is to equip us, to mend us, so that we can go out and fulfill God's purpose for our lives Monday to Saturday. See, church is the pit stop. The Formula One is Monday to Saturday. Church is the pit stop. I come in here, I get refueled, I get my tires checked, and then it's Formula One Monday to Friday and Saturday. God wants to let you know that you can love Mondays because he has a great ministry through you at your workplace. God values the work you do. I wrote a booklet called In Brief because I was so keen to give my clients something um, so to be able to kind of trigger spiritual conversations. It's called In Brief, A Lawyer's Musings on Religion and the Meaning of Life. I printed it out 100. They sit in our city office reception and North Shore and they're all gone. Within a month, I saw them all go, and I've had great client feedback. I've had CEOs and all sorts of people, all sorts of walks of life, pick up this little booklet. Because I said, you know what I realized? Every single client, every single colleague that I work with at Gaze Burt, they're, they're in my church. They're congregation members. I'm their pastor. You see, the guys at Gaze Burt, they know that I'm a Christian, and they're not wanting to hear me talk, talk, talk. They want to see how I'm living, living, living. They want to see how I deal with difficult lawyers and difficult clients. Do I show grace? Does Christ make any difference in my life as a lawyer? Why just turn him off on Monday? No, no, he's turned on on Monday, and through my life, I want to try and demonstrate what it means to follow Christ in that difficult context of law. I remember one of my clients got a call one day, and he rang me up. Someone, I need to see you about an employment issue, but I also want to talk to you about something. And I said, come and see me. He came in, fit man, does a lot of iron man's, self-made man, businessman. And he came in and his hair was, he was completely bald and he had a massive scar down the back of his head. And he said, Simon, I'm here to talk about my employment issue, but I want you to know that a little while ago I was running home one night, collapsed. They found out that I've got five brain tumors. I'm not sure how long I've got to, got to live. But you know, Simon, I used to have a faith but I've kind of put it aside, and I know that you're a Christian, you're kind of <coughs> very expressive about that, and um, can you journey with me to get my faith back sorted again? So for the next few months, I met with him for lunch <clears throat> and talked him through uh, the Bible and talked him through some discipleship topics. One day, I never, I didn't hear from him, and then out of the blue, I got a message from his partner, who was, who's not a Christian. She said, Simon, can you, can you come to the hospice? He's actually stopped talking. The cancer has totally um, kind of riddled through his body, but, um, but um, I want, can you please come to the hospice? And I prayed for him, I shared scriptures with him, and I ministered to him. I stepped out of the hospice room, um, and, I, and I, I said to him, I'm gonna use his name, but not use his name, sorry, because that would be a breach of the Privacy Act, Principle 6. Um, I'll use his name as, I'll, I'll say it's Mark. And um, I stepped out of the hospice room, and I'll never forget, and his spirit just went, and he was up um, with God at that point, and his, his life was gone on planet Earth. And I went. And I went to Leader's funeral. There's 150 people in this, uh, in this church, uh, in a um, funeral home, sorry. And I got the opportunity to preach the gospel to all these non-Christians, people from his Iron Man clubs and so on. It was such a great opportunity just because I said to myself, every day, God, use me. Give me an opportunity at my work today to, just to share the gospel, to, to be an influence for you. God has a great ministry for you at your workplace. Great, Simon. Great, Simon. Also, 
not only does God have a great ministry for you at your workplace, let me tell you that God is with you at your workplace. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Genesis, uh, Joseph in Genesis. And, you know, Joseph was not an employee. He should have been, right? He was a slave. He should have been given his employment agreement, the right to legal representation, the right to seek advice, but he got none of that. He got hauled into Potiphar's house and he was told to serve in Potiphar's house. And the Bible says in Genesis 39 too, the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Let me tell you this morning that you might feel that your workplace is like Potiphar's house. It's difficult and it's, it's challenging. But I want you to know that God can show you his favor. God can show you his blessing even in Potiphar's house. God is with you when you are there. I remember I was in the courtroom one morning and I was, it was not going great. My client was under cross-examination and it was all falling apart. And that night I had the Christian Lawyers Conference here at church and God in that moment reminded me, you know, Simon, I'm with you as much as I'm in the courtroom as, you, as I'm with you when, I'm, when you're at church worshiping me. God is with you tomorrow in the boardroom. God is with you tomorrow in the workshop. God is with you at home looking after the kids tomorrow. God is with you in the call center. God is with you in the hospital. We don't say goodbye to God when we leave Elam on Sunday morning. He goes with us yeah. to all of those places. Be encouraged. You can love Mondays because work is God's idea. It's not a necessary evil. Garfield got it wrong. You can love Mondays. Yeah. Two, God wants to provide for human needs through the work you do. The work you do is valuable in God's sight, or God can't accomplish what he needs to do, which is satisfy the needs of human beings. That's how life on planet Earth will flourish. And 30, God has a ministry through you. Look, you're not like me, and be thankful for that. But whatever your personality is, whatever your temperament is, God has a ministry for you and through you. It's not, I didn't say it, Ephesians 4 said it. Young Steve's job is to equip you to go out and reach, serve, and influence at your workplace tomorrow morning. Can I bring the band up just for a moment as I wrap up with a, a final thought? Michelangelo was working on one of the most famous paintings um, in the world, and the painting was actually on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. And it was nine scenes from the book of Genesis. Pope Sixtus had commissioned Michelangelo to do this great, great work. And, but it was tough work. It was hard work. And he found it very discouraging. It took him four years. He would, he'd lie on the back of the scaffolding, just slowly working away, slowly working away painting. And he was so discouraged that one day he wrote a letter to his friend Giovanni. And he said, and this is what he said in his letter to, to his friend. I've already grown a guita from this torture, swollen up here like a cat from Lombardi, my stomach squashed under my chin, my beard's pointing at heaven, my brain's crushed in a casket, my breast twists like a harpy's, my brush above me all the time, dribbles the paint so my face makes a fine floor for droppings, my haunches are grinding into my guts, my poor bottom strains to work as a counterweight, every gesture I make is blind and aimless, my skin hangs loose below me, my spine's all knotted from folding over itself, I'm bent taut as a Syrian bow. My painting is dead. Defend it for me, Giovanni. Protect my honor. I am not in the right place. I am not a painter. But no one who would look at that painting, and I remember going to the Sistine Chapel a number of years ago, would ever think Michelangelo wasn't a painter. You might feel discouraged at work. 
today. You might think, man, what the heck is the purpose of my life on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday? I want to let you know that God has a great ministry for you. God does great work through you. And if I was with Michelangelo that day, I would have said, Michelangelo, come down from the scaffolding and let's just look up and see the big picture. Put the paintbrush down for a moment. Come down from that scaffolding and look up and see the big picture. And I just hope that something of what I've said this morning would help you to put down your, your brush get down from the scaffolding and look up and see the big picture of what God is doing in you and through at your work. You can love Monday, see the big picture again. Lord, we just thank you this morning for your word. Father, I just pray for all my friends here this morning that you would just, just encourage them, Lord, to love Mondays. Father, give us a new and fresh vision for Monday morning, Lord. Not to wake up and, and begrudgingly get out of bed, but to wake up knowing that there is purpose for what you want to do in and through us at our workplace. Holy Spirit, do your great work in our lives. We just love you, Lord, and bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Because I've got so many words, just ask my poor wife. I wrote a booklet called Love Mondays. It's got seven chapters in it, and you can use it as a, love, as a resource. To, I, I, I'm just selling it at cost because I just want to get this resource out there. It's $7. You can get it out in the foyer, write your name down, and we can send you some more, et cetera, et cetera. But I hope this will be a blessing to you. Thanks. Thanks, guys. I encourage you. Um, if I mean, this, I'm stirred up for Monday. And Monday's my day off. <laughs> Can't wait. If, if, if this has been a blessing to you, if you want to maybe go another level, grab, grab one of these from, uh, from our foyer. There's a team there that will happily sell. There's only $7. Um, small group leaders, you can get one. Uh, it's our gift to you as a small group leader to maybe take your small group through that. Go see Anna at the table as well. Uh, we just love for, as a church, we don't just see church being Monday, but we see ourselves as the church uh, I'm sorry, Sunday, but as the church, Monday to Friday, Monday to Saturday. I want to pray one more prayer with you guys this morning. And uh, what I'd love to do is invite everyone in this room just to bow your eyes, uh, bow your heads and close your eyes, bow your eyes and close your heads. That'll be weird. Don't, don't do that. That won't, that won't work well for you. <clears throat> just to bow your eyes. Oh, gosh. Bow your heads. My wife's been away for two whole weeks. I've been solo dating it. So hashtag pray for your pastor. Replenish conference. Yay. Where's the pray? Uh, I, I want to... I want to invite you today, if you're here in this room and you don't know Jesus, can I tell you, He loves you so much. Maybe today you've never made a decision to follow Him, or maybe today you're far from God. You've known Him before, but you're far from Him today. Maybe today you know that God for you is just a Sunday God. Maybe you know Him on a Sunday. Maybe you come to church, but God is absent in your Monday to Saturday. I want to tell you that there's a God who loves you, who wants to be deeply and intimately involved in your life in every single part and detail. He's got life for you in every area. And, you know, we all sin, we all mess up. We all fall short of God's standard. And our sin, it separates us from God. But God in His grace sent His own Son, Jesus, to a cross. And when He died on that cross, He took upon Himself what you and I would do for our sin. And He extends to all of us today, not judgment or condemnation, He extends to you His free gift of grace, forgiveness for your past. A new life that begins right here, right now. It's called being born again by the Spirit of God. God will make you brand new. You get to walk into the great plans that God has for your life. You're not a mistake, you're not an accident. God wants to use you to transform and change this world. 
and you get this great promise of eternity in heaven. This life is not the end of the story. It's not the final part. There is eternity for you in heaven. And I'd love to extend that invitation if you're here and you don't know him, or maybe you're honest and say, Steve, I'm a Sunday Christian. I don't even know God from Monday to Saturday. I wanna invite you to pray a very simple prayer with me. It's a prayer of surrender. What I'll do is I'll pray this prayer out loud. You don't have to pray it out loud. You can just join with me and pray it along with me in your heart. But when you pray it, I want you to make it your prayer and mean it with everything you've got. Simply say these words. Say, God, today I surrender my life to you. I know that I've sinned. I know I've messed up. But I believe, Jesus, you died for me. So right now, I turn from my old ways and I turn to you. I ask you now to come in and be the Lord of my life. Come and make me brand new. I choose from this day to follow you in Jesus' name. Just with your eyes still closed and head bowed, if you prayed that prayer today, can I tell you, I'm so proud of you. We're so proud of you as a church. I think this is the most amazing decision you could ever make. And I'd love for you to take one more little step of faith. I want you to be really brave today. If you prayed that prayer, either for the very first time or coming back to God, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna ask you to do something really simple. I'm gonna count to three. And when I get to three, if you've prayed that and you meant it, I want you to be really brave, really bold, right where you are. And I want you to put your hand up nice and high. Now I'm not doing that to embarrass you or call you out or stand you up. All I'm doing is encourage you to take one little step of faith. I'll see your hand and you can put it straight back down. Are you ready, church? If you prayed that prayer today, on the count of three. One, two, three. Hands up nice and high. Saying, Steve, that's me. My man, I see you there, right there. Awesome. God bless you. God bless you. Over there too. Yes, right here, my man. Yes, over there. Right in the front here too. Incredible. On my right over there. Yep, down the back as well. Incredible. Right down the back over there. And that's amazing. Awesome. If I've seen your hand, you can put it down now. Amazing. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this house. Lord, we bless you. We thank you for every person that's responded, every heart that's been turned towards you. We pray your blessing and your grace and your love upon them today in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, put your hands together for those people that just said yes to Jesus. So cool, man, so cool. Hey, 